Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Today's guest is Anne Smith. Anne is the executive director of the nonprofit Books at Work. Books at Work partners with employers to break down barriers, build connections, and foster openness, trust, and respect. They use a facilitated dialogue about a carefully curated piece of narrative literature, and the program invites colleagues to deepen their relationships that anchor that healthy and inclusive organizational culture that we all want. In the 20 years prior to founding Books at Work, Anne served as principal with Hendrick and Struggles and as an expert with McKinsey, as well as a lawyer. Anne and I talk about her experiences in building those connections and relationships and breaking down those barriers by using narrative works of fiction as a starting point for conversation. It's really pretty amazing. I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Anne, but first, a quick note to stay tuned at the end of the episode for how to join the Modern Manager community and get access to some of the stories that you can use with your team. Now here's my interview. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. And thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited for you to share what you do and all about books at work, in part because I got to experience what you do and it was really fascinating and honestly way better than my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mamie, thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to have this conversation with you today. So why don't you start by walking us through what Books at Work does, kind of what the program itself is, and how you're using stories to connect people and build relationships. So Books at Work was designed as a platform to bring diverse people from every level of an organization, and literally from the C-suite to the shop floor, to share ideas, to challenge assumptions about themselves and each other, and together to co-create the kinds of cultures of trust, belonging, respect, and inclusion that I think a lot of people really crave since they spend so much time in the workplace. And the way we do that, and I think what makes books at work a little bit unusual, is that we start with professionally facilitated discussions of literature that we've chosen very carefully to tee up really interesting questions that are the kinds of questions that humans have grappled with since the beginning of time. And it's really that simple. But what we discovered is that through these kinds of discussions that are different from the conversations that people normally have at work, they're able to build deeper connections, to see things in each other that they didn't really know was there, and to begin to have the kinds of conversations that people often don't have about work, even about topics as potentially challenging as race and gender and politics, things that we yearn to talk about but don't always know how. So I think that tees up exactly what the experience I had in our conversation this summer when we were doing this with my family. And their question came up about the main character's gender, which the story itself never identified the gender of the character. And some of us thought it was a woman and some thought it was a man. And we ended up having this really interesting conversation that illuminated perspectives that some of us never questioned before. You know, it's so interesting. That story, which is a fantastic story by the writer Amy Bender called The Color Master, really creates a fascinating pull from the readers who can identify with the character, but identify with that character in such a different way. And I think the point that you're making is one of the magical things that happens in almost every Books at Work session, 
is that somebody will see something in a way that's completely different than the way you saw it when you read the story. And you're always a little bit surprised. And so in your situation where it was your family who, you know, presumably, you know, better than anybody else in the, in the world, you still saw different things depending on the perspective that you brought to the story at the moment that you were reading it. And I think that's part of what makes books that work so interesting and what makes it tease up conversations that don't normally happen. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the impact that you're seeing. Cause you know, I, I think it's such grand, you know, wonderful stuff that you're trying to accomplish in an organization around the relationships and, and opening up questions and dialogue. Are you seeing that it's actually happening and in what kinds of industries and what kinds of teams are you having that kind of impact? So we are seeing tremendous impact and interestingly in a very diverse array of settings and contexts. So currently we are operating in 21 states. We have programs and have had programs in about nine foreign countries. So we're definitely working across lots of different cultures. And we've worked in manufacturing, in healthcare, in professional service firms, in, in human service firms. We've worked in municipalities and government organizations. And so what we found is that there's almost no organization where the ability to kind of connect more deeply with other people isn't relevant and profound. And what we're seeing is that Books at Work is uniquely capable of creating the kinds of conversations that people are looking for when they're looking for ways to tackle issues like inclusion, to create atmospheres of social wellness, to really accompany larger culture change initiatives. And even, and I think this will really resonate with you, even in situations where people are looking for ways to tighten and intensify the relationships among teams, whether those teams are leadership teams or management teams or even frontline teams. And so what we're seeing is that it really has impact any place that the human relationship lies at the core of being successful, books at work can play a role. And does it matter how much trust or kind of what relationships exist beforehand? Or can this be brought in as kind of a first step? Or are you bringing people from different departments together to have these conversations? So it's great. That's a wonderful question. We actually find that we do both of those uh, two things. We bring people from both across the organization as well as within teams. And in fact, what we find is that it works really well when trust does exist, but it also works incredibly well when people don't know that trust does exist. So it's an interesting scaffolding. You can actually use books at work as a a practice or a muscle building or a skill building context for the harder kinds of conversations that require trust and psychological safety. And what participants tell us is that it actually does that because what we're doing is bringing a story that has nothing to do with the workplace into the conversation. The story creates this alternate reality to talk about. And so people feel more open to share their views. And once they've done that and they've realized, oh, you know, Mamie and I really agree on this particular topic or, oh, I see that this is a sensitive point for Mamie and I you know, want to be careful and think through what's the best way to communicate an idea with her. Then all of a sudden, your sophistication in dealing with each other increases tremendously. So we've seen teams that, in fact, this is really interesting. We had a conversation just this week with the leader of a group of managers of a, of a plant, a manufacturing plant in Kentucky. And they did books at work for the first time and they went into it where the leaders had done it before in the context of their corporate parent, but the folks that were the rest of the team had never done it before. And they all said, what are we doing this for? You know, why are we reading? We're not even crazy about reading. We've got so much to do. And 90 minutes later, after they were done discussing the story and sharing perspectives and talking about which character they identified with, 
they started to talk about how powerful it was to have these kinds of conversations and, and all asked when they would do it again. And the feedback that the leaders got after the fact was, for the first time, we felt a little bit more like a family sitting around a table talking about kind of important issues that affect our business. But what he also said was the next two meetings that they had, that one later that day and one the next day, which tackled some really difficult issues, were smoother and more respectful and a little bit more open because they had had this conversation about something completely different. So I think the impact comes from the fact that it can create opportunities for people to just let their hair down a little bit and then prep them to do that when the conversation or when the going gets a little tougher. Yeah, I'm such a fan of this. I recommend <laughs> to many teams, and I've talked about it on other episodes, that one way to create a sense of teamwork, one way to bond people, and even doing it at a distance. So I know, I'd actually be curious to know if you've done this with virtual teams, but one thing that I've done with my company team and what I recommend to other teams is that creating a book group of this sort gives you a way to bring to bridge people together and you can do it virtually. We've done it virtually. My team was in five different countries. And it was a way for us all to get together and have a conversation about something and to have a little fun together mm-hmm. without having to you know, go out for happy hour, which is what a lot of teams do for team building. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the, the, diff- the big difference between something like Books at Work or, or a book club, as you described it, and happy hour is that happy hour is wonderful in the moment. And you gravitate to the people that you already know, right? So you go and you chat with somebody you already feel comfortable with. This kind of pushes you to see somebody more holistically, to bring a little bit more of yourself to work. And then as they bring a little bit more of themselves to work, to kind of see them in a more fulsome light. And so I think it it becomes, it, it may be more sustainable as a result, even though it's equally satisfying and, and often equally fun. And as far as your question on virtual teams, it is something that we've done in the past and that we're continuing to experiment with. I will say there's nothing that quite replaces that wonderful sensation of sitting around a table and all being, you know, three-dimensional and present. But, you know, in the reality of this world is that, you know, we have to learn to be present in other ways. And if something like Books at Work can make a synchronous video conference feel a little bit more personal, then, you know, maybe that's another way at which it could be, you know, serving some good, you know, in the changing business world right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't get away from virtual teams, right? So anything we can do to bring people together and help them create those bonds and to get to know each other in different ways is great. And it's really hard to do virtual team building. Like, let's just be honest, the the many, it's mm-hmm. a question I get a lot from my customers and my clients and people who listen to this podcast is how do I do this when I have two people here and two people somewhere else and one person somewhere else? And, you know, it's really hard to build those relationships. And I love the way that literature can bring people together because there's not much else you can do in a virtual meeting besides talk. And so this gives you something meaningful to talk about. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you're absolutely right. Virtual teams really are they're here to stay and they're tough to work with. Yeah. So if I wanted to introduce this kind of model, either with books at work or something on my own, how would I go about doing that? So with books at work, we like to say that we do a lot of the work for you, but I think it's distillable into a couple of ideas that people can also try on their own. So I think one of the things that makes books at work particularly effective is that we don't use business books and we don't use self-help books. We really only use narratives that bring up human stories because we believe that human stories actually attract you to share your own. And once you've shared your own, others will share theirs as well. 
And so if somebody wants to try something like this, either with us or without, I would say pick a story that, you know, tees up some interesting scenarios, has some interesting characters, ideally characters maybe for whom, you know, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad and it's not totally clear. And a story that might even have an ethical dilemma in it or two, because those are the kinds of things that trigger really interesting conversations and take you a little bit further from the topics and things that are on your mind from every day. But having said that, taking you further away, because you're getting together with a group of people that you work with, don't worry that the workplace scenario won't ever get discussed, because at the end of the day, that's the thing that you have in common. And so it's rare that we bring a story that people don't see some of the things that are on their mind in that story in some way. And so as a result, they're able to bridge the conversation between the human questions that are teed up in the story and the workplace conversations that they're eager to have. So, so I think my first advice would be really narrative. And the second would be to make sure that you really bring everybody to the table and as diverse a group as possible. I think what happens that's really nice is that if you bring people from lots of different functions, lots of different roles, even very different hierarchies, people are always pleasantly surprised that the most insightful comments don't always come from the most senior person in the room or the most educated person in the room. And I think by opening up the aperture to include more voices, you open up your perspectives around what's possible in your workplace and who has things to contribute that you may not necessarily have noticed before. Is there an ideal length to the story or other kinds of really practical, tactical pieces to picking a good story to start with? So for us, we work with books and we also work with short stories. And so the difference there really depends on how much time a team or a group has to devote. So if we do a book, it'll usually be a book that runs, you know, somewhere in the 350 to 400 pages. And we'll do one quarter of the book at a time over the course of four weeks or maybe every other week for four sessions. When we do a short story, it's usually a single story that can be dealt with, you know, discussed and explored in one session, a little bit like like we did together this summer. And I think with book length, so that people don't have more than, you know, 50 to 80 pages to read on a weekly basis is pretty ideal. With a short story length, you've got a little bit more leeway. We've got really powerful stories that run two pages. We've got powerful stories that run 10. We've got a couple that look more like novellas at 20. But it really depends a little bit on how easy something is to read and how engaging it can be for people. Having said that, we've yet to do something like War and Peace or The Brothers Karamazov, because those are longer, denser, tougher books. And I think that would be a non-starter. Yeah. So if you're going to introduce this to your team now and you've got this material that you've selected and you're feeling like, okay, I'm ready, what kind of messaging do you send to people? Like, what do I say when I'm telling my team at our team meeting or in the email where I'm sending out saying, hey guys, I want to do this with you. What, what messages am I sending? <laughs> so what we like to do is a couple of things. Is one, we like to engage people to think about how this might be fun for them individually, right? This is a chance maybe to pick up a book that you haven't picked up yourself or that you wouldn't have thought of, but it's a chance to do that in a way that isn't alone and lets you have an opportunity to discuss. But the other thing that we found is very helpful, and we do this when we prep organizations for books at work as well, is that we also try to talk through why 
the kinds of human connections that we foster in books at work are actually good for the organization. And the science is fascinating, right? I mean, I think there's so much research in organizational world, in the sociological world, in the psychological world that ties the human relationship to a sense of inclusion and belonging, to psychological safety, to productivity, to all the kinds of outcomes that organizations are looking for, that if you help people to see that they're doing something that on its face is fun, but really has powerful individual and collective impact, then I think you get people kind of excited and curious and willing to dig in in ways that they might not if they're not 100% sure why they're doing it. And then the third piece, and I think it's something that we offer that is helpful, is that having somebody who's trained and coached to facilitate the discussion so that it's done through questions and so that it's open and that the text becomes an interesting platform but isn't the only thing that you talk about and it creates opportunities for people to share their experiences, that facilitation really becomes invaluable and actually differentiates something like Books at Work from you know, maybe a book club that people might have on their own after work because they've you know, gotten a group of friends together and they wanna talk about a book and share a glass of wine. So this ends up becoming a little bit more serious and the facilitator allows people to sort of peel back the layers of the onion so that you can go deeper and deeper into the story and the implications for people. And so if you help people to see that those are the three things that come out of books at work, then I think they're often game to try and often really interested and eager. This makes a lot of sense, especially the facilitated piece. I feel like when you have a facilitator, then everyone on the team can really participate, which is harder when you're the team leader and you're trying to participate yourself and facilitate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if you're teeing up topics that are challenging or where maybe people have very different life experiences and have a very different point of view, the facilitator helps to balance those perspectives and create opportunities to have those discussions. And it's interesting, I was uh, chatting not too long ago with the president of a company where we do a lot of books at work programs. And he was saying that for him, books at work is a really interesting way to practice discussing the undiscussable. And discussing the undiscussable, even though it doesn't feel like what you do every day, becomes this incredible fodder for having difficult conversations about you know, talent management and personnel and, you know, reductions in force and cost cutting and the kinds of changes that can be painful and emotional. But if you create that trust through facilitated conversations around a story, then you start to use that trust to have, you know, less facilitated conversations around things that really affect you in the workplace. And so I think the facilitator helps to create that environment so that you can practice those skills and then begin to use them yourself. So I'm imagining that some people who are listening are, are like, this is great. I can't wait to reach out to Books at Work. And other people are thinking, I would really like to do this on my own. I'm not sure my company would be on board with this or that we have the resources. So if you're going to run it by yourself, if you're going to pick a piece of content and self-facilitate, what should a team leader do to prepare so that they can, you know, to the best of their ability, facilitate an effective conversation? Or if they're going to ask a colleague from another department to facilitate, what should they, you know, give them so that that person can be that third-party facilitator independently? So first they should pick a story that doesn't relate too, too closely to their workplace so that it doesn't get to the point that it looks like a sideways way to talk about work issues. And so if you pick something that's a little bit further afield, whether it's a book or a chapter from a book or a short story, something that really comes from a very different place is really effective. And then the person who's going to facilitate should, and this is something that we do with our professors, should really start with 
really some of the fundamental human questions. First in the text, you know, what are the actions that this character took that really intrigued you? What are the actions that the character took that, that, that gave you pause? Is there somebody that you identify with? And then to move to what I would like to call the more essential questions, sort of, you know, what does it take for, for human nature to be innovative? You know, and I'm making questions up, but, you know, I can think of stories that, that tee up all these different things. And then only after you've had a chance to talk about the story, to talk about sort of the fundamental human themes that arise from the story, then say, hmm, what can we take from this in our workplace setting? And is there something about this story that it makes us think about work in a different way. So I think the, the moral of that story is to make sure that you don't rush too quickly to work so that a story doesn't become too instrumental, but gives people a chance to, to kind of explore and really think through you know, the kinds of human issues that come up before, before the workplace issues come up. And then I think the other thing is to make sure that you're not afraid of silence. You know, sometimes talking about a story is a different muscle than the kinds of things that people do. So when somebody asks a question, they shouldn't be worried about the fact that it may take people a few minutes to, to share a perspective. And then the only other cautionary tale I would give is never start with, did you like the story or did you not like the story? Because nine times out of 10, whether somebody likes a story or doesn't really has no bearing on the value of the conversation. And if I had a nickel for everybody who said, wow, I hated this story, but the conversation was so powerful, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I'd, I'd be a wealthy woman. So stay away from like and get into sort of what are the, some of the human interactive issues in the story and then migrate into to workplace connections. Does that answer your question? Yes, that is great. And now it's got me thinking about what are the other kind of yes or no questions that, that might get asked that are not helpful. Like, is it better to ask open-ended questions versus the kind of, you know, did this character make a good choice? So yes, absolutely. Open-ended questions are ideal and they're actually the best. So did the character make a good choice might be too narrow. And I probably, I probably worded it that way, you know, falsely myself, but but what do you make of the choice that the character made and would you or would you not have made the same choice might be a better way to ask that question, right? So there's something around, think about what the character did, put yourself in that character's shoes, which by the way is wonderful practice for empathy, and ask yourself, what would you do in that situation? That's a great kind of a question. And then general open-ended questions like, so for example, the story that you and I read, The Color Master, what is mastery? You know, what is excellence? What does it mean to feel confident in your role such that you don't necessarily need somebody else to help you decide what to do? Those are the kinds of things that get people musing and wondering about some of the day, day in and day out things that they assume but don't always discuss. Yeah. And I love this. Uh, you're asking questions about the story, but you're also asking questions about the person, right? And, and all those questions you just gave, right? What is mastery? That came from the story, but really it's my thinking on this topic or, you know, put yourself in the character's shoes of would you make the same choice, right? That's not about the character's choice. That's about me and how I see the world and the kinds of values and perspectives that I take. And that I think is where the magic happens. And that's what you've been saying all along is that it's, the story is just, the jumping off point for really talking about each person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That I like to say that the dirty little secret about books at work is that even though it's books at work, it really isn't about the books. It's really about the people that are sitting around that table. And so no two sessions are the same because no two sessions have exactly the same group of people or exactly the same story, but the story kind of provokes the conversation it becomes the pressure valve if the conversation becomes too sensitive or concerning, 
but it really is only one point of view. And everybody else brings such a diverse and rich set of points of view that they each have from their backgrounds, their life experiences, their culture, that you can't help but have this really interesting tapestry of, of ideas that come out of a discussion of sometimes even a very simple story. Love it. All right. So you know this is called the Modern Manager Podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're going to shift gears a little. (laughs) Can you tell me about one of your favorite managers that you've gotten to work with slash for and what made him or her so wonderful? Such a great question. And it's it's a tricky one. So I will tell you maybe an unorthodox answer (laughs) is that years ago, because early in my life, I was I was a practicing attorney. And years ago, I worked with a guy who was a senior partner in my law firm who was widely thought of and known of and had earned earned it rightfully as being a very difficult person to work with, very perfectionist, very focused on detail, very focused on the client. And I have to tell you that as I reflect back on managers that I've had in my life, while he wasn't always the most pleasant person to sit in a room with, he probably encouraged me and left me with a sense of bringing the best that I can offer to any particular situation more than anybody else that I ever worked with because he called upon me to bring my best game every time I would do something. And I think to this day, many years later, I still can't sit down with something and say, all right, what's the best that I can do here? And how do I make sure that I don't do anything less than full force or less than full energy because I and my client or I and the people that I'm working with are, are deserving of better than that. And so, although he might not be a, a resonant leader or an emotionally intelligent kind of a person that might be the kind of person that somebody else might give as an example, he certainly left his mark, which I think says that there's probably room for all kinds of managers. Um, I think they affect us differently at different stages of our careers. So true. And I love that you can find something wonderful about even difficult managers, right? That it's not just (laughs) that managers are good or bad, black and white, but that people are people. And then there are sometimes really wonderful lessons to be taken from someone who either you or others might find to be more challenging. So that's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we, you know, because we're not always, even the best of us, even those of us who strive to be the perfect manager day in and day out, we will have days where we ask too much of people, where, you know, we aren't necessarily our best selves. And if we can be good through all of that, because we've somehow managed to give people a sense of a common mission or a common vision for what we do together, then I think it all kind of works out in the end. Amazing. All right. Where can people learn more about books at work and keep up with you and all that kind of good stuff? Well, the best is to go to our website, which can be found at Books at Work, B-O-O-K-S-A-T-W-R-R-K dot org. And on the Books at Work website, we explain a lot. We've got some video clips. We've got a bunch of testimonials, including a contact page that comes directly to us. We also can be found on Twitter and at at books underscore at underscore work. And then I personally can be found on Twitter at at ANKSmith1 and hope to hear from anybody who's interested in learning more and would love to talk about ways that we can bring books at work to folks, to your listeners and to others, but also even to provide advice or thoughts or ideas about ways that you might leverage some of these kinds of discussions even without us. Thank you again so much. This was fascinating. And I am now even more excited to try this out with some other folks, not just my family. Oh, that would be great, Mimi. I look forward to working with you on that. If you want to try using the Books at Work approach with your team, 
and has generously shared three stories that they use with their clients. To get them, join the Modern Manager community on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Modern Manager. And when you join, you also get access to all the prior guest bonuses and episode guides. If you think your organization would benefit from working with Anne and Books at Work, I highly suggest that you reach out to her directly. Her contact info, as it is for all my guests, is in the show notes. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll also have Anne's list of the best books and short stories to spur conversation in 2018 in your inbox. And this list is also available in the show notes. To subscribe to my newsletter, go to mamieks.com. That's it for today. Thank you. And until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.